It was back in July that I went to the eye doctor. I am the world's best at waiting till the last minute. So as I had my last contact lens in, I called and got an appointment to the eye doctor and uh, went in to see him. Uh, Darcy told me to ask for the new bifocal contacts because they were wonders. So uh, I won't tell you how she found out that they work wonders, but they work wonders. So I was getting where reading glasses just didn't seem to help too much. So I went in and I got these new contacts and I had to wait. Uh, they told me two to three weeks, but two or three months later, uh, I get this free trial pair. So I go into the eye doctor, I put them in and I'm thinking, man, this is amazing what I can see and I can read and I can see great distances and this is so amazing that I can see this well. And I went in, I sat in the doctor's chair and he said, read this line to me. I panicked. The line was completely blurred. I was testing you. That is actually the chart or the line for people who have 20 2020 vision so you see just fine but that's 2010 vision just wanted to make sure you didn't see better than just fine I was thinking about that because you know as we grow older we need those eye tests don't we when we go in to do our driver's license and we do the renewal I was always so excited when they said you don't need to come in and visit them. you're good to go uh, and I always dreaded when I had to go back in because uh, there were times when I went in and they said, you need an eye doctor appointment, you can't see very well. So I'd have to go get an eye doctor appointment and then come back so that I could see uh, to be able to drive. So there's that, that nervousness, that anxiousness there of being tested for my eyes and making sure that they're still okay. You know, sometimes as we go through life, sometimes we need our vision tested. This morning we continue our journey second chapter this morning and we want to focus on 2nd Corinthians 4 verses 16 through 18 this morning and in this passage uh, we see Paul's perspective on life and as we look at his perspective on life we can't help but think and help but see that Paul had a vertical view <coughs> of life and as we think about this vertical view of life, hopefully this morning as we move through this passage, we'll be reminded of how important it is for us to have a vertical view of life as well. So open your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians 4, verse if you're not up there, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, uh, reads this way. So, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, as we look at this here. There are three headings that we're going to use to kind of guide us through this and direct us through this. The first thing we see is Paul's view of the terminal. The second thing we see is Paul's view of the troubles. And then the last thing we see is that Paul, we see Paul's view of the temporary. Now before
to your word, that your word would look into us. You know right where we are, Lord, this morning. You know what we need to drink in this morning. You know what we need to hear this morning. And you know I can't do it. So I pray, Lord, that we would hear from you. Just take my mind and my heart and my tongue and my thoughts. And, and Lord, let me share uh, with your people what you'd have them to hear. I pray I'd share nothing less, Lord, but I pray I'd share nothing more either. And so, Lord, let us take home today what you have for us. And it's in your son's name we pray these things. Amen. Now, the first thing we want to see this morning is Paul's view of the terminal. Paul's view of the terminal. Look at verse 16 with me. I'm reading in the English Standard Version, and the English Standard Version begins with the word so. Uh, if you have a New King James or a New American Standard, uh, yours begins with the word therefore. And we know what the therefore is there for, right? The therefore makes us look back to see what the therefore is there for. And that's what Paul is doing with us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Remember, he started 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, and he said, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. So in chapter 4, he's been talking to us about this ministry that he's been given. And he shares about this ministry that he's been giving, given and how he's being used of God in this ministry. Uh, verse 7, he says, We have this treasure in jars of clay. Speaking about his own earthly body, but the treasure that he's been given, the message of Jesus Christ, is something that is far better than just this body of clay. This message that he's been given, this body of clay needs to carry that message out and proclaim that message. And because that message has been given to him, it's a message that he goes and he proclaims. Verse 14, the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So in chapter 4, as he's been talking about proclaiming this message, he says, hey, we go through all of these difficult things. We go through all of these trials. We're near dead, but we just keep going because we know that God, just as he rose, raised Christ, he will be able to raise us as well. And so we are not afraid of what happens to us because it's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what his message is. And so after he's gone through those 15 verses, he stops. So, therefore, because of all of that, we do not lose heart. We continue to proclaim. Because of all of that, because of the ministry that we've been given, we don't lose heart. Now, this word that you uh, is the idea of being given to evil. And Paul says, there's no way. There's no way that we're being given over to evil. There's no way that I'm, that I'm relinquishing evil. was all down, seeking to destroy him. Uh, but Paul would not give in to evil. Because the of God had been given to him because the power of God was within him because the power of God was in the message that he was proclaiming Romans 1 16 says it's the power of salvation that's what the gospel is Paul was not ashamed of that because it was the message that he was given and grace 
still needed to be extended to people. And Paul says, because grace still needs to be extended, I'm not losing heart. I'm not losing heart. I'm continuing with the race. Paul was not going to lose heart. Now look at verse 16 as it continues. Though our outer self is wasting away. Do you think that Paul understood the outer self wasting away? Now, as we think about Paul right here at this time, uh, he's getting up there in years. Uh, the book of Galatians was the first book that he wrote early Corinthians during missionary for a little while so he a little bit physically uh, Paul is aged but Paul has also been doing ministry and Paul's ministry has not been an easy ministry uh, there have been some things that he has faced that would bring on and speed up the aging process. You think about some of the things that we've done in life, and as we look back on our life, some of them we used those kind of make us wear out a little bit sooner, all right? Some of those old football injuries begin to show up and flare up, and Paul's there. He's done that. He has a t-shirt. This is 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. Paul says this, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors. Far prison. Endless beings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was... Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food and cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. As you read that, how can he not be wasting away? I mean, we think about just sleepless nights. Don't three, four sleepless nights in a row make us age before our time? Doesn't sometimes the stress of day-to-day -day life, doesn't that add to us and, and our anxiety and all of that add to where we are? Kind of wears us down, doesn't it? And then you throw in a shipwreck or two and be beaten with lashes 39 times. Uh, and then there's caring for all of these different churches. I mean, Paul's life was not smooth sailing. He had a rough life. He had a life that was demanding on him physically. And he would get up in the mornings and he would say, Man, this old outer body wasting away it just keeps deteriorating that's that's where my body is all of these things just added to that aging process uh, one person shared uh, 
talking about Paul's imprisonments. Uh, they said it's kind of a blessing that Paul was imprisoned for those periods of time because he was allowed to have a place to sleep and a place to heal from his wounds, a place where others wouldn't come in and attack him. It kind of was a place of security for those moments. I never thought about it that way, but it is true. Paul definitely knew what it was about to have his outer self wasting away. But notice what he says. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Man was day by day. The inner man was being renewed day by day. Though the outer man was weak, Paul's inner man was growing strong. And it was growing day by day, stronger and stronger. This is 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. And Paul says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses and Remain weak, or the inside can remain weak. But when the outside is weak, we have to have an inner strength, don't we? We have to have something inside strengthening us. And Paul says, you know what? My outer man is failing, but my inner man is growing. And Paul knew that his inner man would not perish. Because he's going to take his soul and spirit, and when he graduates from this world, he's going to step in. Step closer to great One step closer. I'm looking forward to that. And that's what he was excited about because he knew that inner man would perish or that inner man would survive. It would not perish. As believers, we too one day will receive that new body. That new glorified body that's no longer going to be tempted to sin. That new glorified body that's going to be able to come into the presence of Jesus Christ and worship him. I'm looking forward because I'll be able to sing on tune. I'm excited about that. This old dead wearing out body that singing can't learn. I'll be able to sing face to face. And glorify God in his presence. And Paul, as he looked at himself, as he looked at where he was, this old body's wearing down. But hey, you know my inside. My inside is going strong. Isn't that what we say sometimes with people? We look at them, boy, they are worn out, they are wore out. But you know, they're still sharp mentally. They're still sharp mentally. They still have everything there. They have, they still have a mind. They have a body. They have a mind. Isn't that what we want of our inner self? Yeah. Don't we want our inner self to have that youthful strength and that youthful vigor? That, that 
walking with Christ as we need to walk with Christ, regardless of where the outside is, the inner side, being strong and where it needs to be with Christ. Paul's view of, the, of his outward body being terminal uh, was not affected because his vertical vision of heaven, his vertical vision of Christ was where it needed to be. The old outside self's fading away, but the inside's getting renewed every day. And I'm growing, and I'm maturing, and I'm walking with Christ as I should be. Paul's vertical vision, his vertical view, also affected his view of his troubles. Look at verse 17. For this light, momentary affliction. I don't think Paul ever read his own biography. I, I don't think he did. I, I mean, we read there in 2 Corinthians 12 about what he's been through. Uh, here is he's here in, in 2 Corinthians 4. 12's a long ways away. Not even going to talk about that. Not even thinking about those things. This light momentary affliction. 2 Corinthians 11, 24, we already read it once, but I thought we'd read it. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. They believed that if you took 40 lashes, that that would be fatal. And so when they lashed Paul, they stopped at 39 because they didn't want to kill him. They wanted to beat him within an inch of his life and then let him live. Because they thought that would be more torturous than killing him. They fight. Beat four, about beat five, lash 15. <coughs> He's not thinking it's light and momentary. But Paul's vision was vertical. Paul was looking at those 39 lashes as being light and momentary. Because what is the midst of that 39 lashes in the face of eternity? Even if you live 100 years, eternity is a lot, a lot, a lot longer. And Paul says, this is just momentary, light affliction. Because his vision was vertical. His vision was not here. His vision, his vision was vertical. Look at verse 17 as it continues. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul was looking beyond the here and now. I met someone one time that loves to run. And I was visiting with them, and I said, it's clear to go run. And he said, but what I do love is when I'm done running, and I've already run. That is great. <laughs> And so getting up to run, he's looking at the end of the run. 
saying, I'm going to run so that I can enjoy the end of the run. Amen. And you know, that needs to be our mindset too, doesn't it? And that is Paul's mindset. He's in the midst of this. And he's not looking at the here and now. He's looking at the finish line. He's looking at the glory that lies ahead. That's where his mindset is at. This is Romans 8, 17 and 18. And it says this. Uh, and if children then, heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also, that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is be, to be revealed. Momentary light affliction because of the glory that lies ahead. He's not looking at the here and now. He's not waiting for the gun to go off. He's looking for the finish line when he crosses the line and he hears, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what he's looking for. And notice what he says here in Colossians uh, verse 17 there. He's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. How do you measure glory? Paul uses the word weight. Glory is not something that can be measured. glorious it is something grander than what we can think and so let's put a measurement on it it's higher than what we can imagine it's taller than what we can imagine Paul says it's heavier than what we can imagine that's how glorious it is and notice he says the weight of glory eternal not temporary not momentary not light heavy eternal glory you see the picture he's sharing here this affliction is light and it's temporary it seems heavy 39 lashes seems heavy do that five times. Seems heavy. But he says it's light, momentary, compared to the weight of the glory that lies ahead. And the glory that lies ahead is eternal. It is eternal. The only suffering that produces the eternal weight of glory is suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. Nothing else produces that. Nothing else produces that. 1 Peter 4, verse 14 says this, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. None of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers, Glorify God in that name. Mm -hmm. Peter says, hey, you don't want to suffer because you're a thief. You don't want to, you don't want to suffer because you're an evildoer. 
Suffer for Christ. Suffer for Christ. Because when we suffer for Christ, that's for that eternal is there. Paul never lost sight of that future glory. Paul's mind was on that future glory. He had vision that was vertical. It helped him to stay focused on that future glory. So as he looked at his troubles, his troubles could have stolen his vision, but they didn't because he kept his vision vertical. Those troubles are nothing compared to my vertical vision. That's where his vision was. The last thing we see is how his vertical vision helped things. Look at verse 18. Look Paul's eyes looking Paul was not looking to the here and now. Paul was not looking to the things of this world. Paul's vision was vertical. And the things of this world were not a concern for him. The things of this world were not things that were, he was drawn to. His vision and his eyesight and his focus was set on the things above. This is 1 Corinthians 7, verse 31. Those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. But the things of eternity are eternal. The things of Christ are eternal. And that's what his focus was, was on the eternal. His focus was not on the here and now. His focus was on the eternal. He didn't get consumed with the here and now. Paul has shared with the Corinthians about what uh, the eye has not seen already. Uh, this is for what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Amen. You know, we think about heaven sometimes, and we're mindful of what heaven is like. I hope they have golf. I hope they have darts. Uh, there's no, it doesn't matter what we hope heaven has. Heaven is going to be better than our wildest imagination. I thought there'd be more. I was working at and it, every year they have the, a, an awards banquet. And if you make Chairman's Club, uh, they give you a gold watch and it's got diamonds in it. And they give one to your wife as well. So I thought, man, if I just had that, that would be so awesome. So I get it and I walk up and they hand me my watch. And I'm like, this is it? Just a watch. Okay. I'm going to get my wife a diamond ring. And her diamond gets bigger every year as well. That's what we need. Alfred Schwann, the owner of Schwann's, is at our banquet. He presents me with the ring. And I went, 
This is it. This is all you got. This is it. My wife lost her ring. Something spectacular. There are going to be bells and whistles. Maybe some of that paper mache like they do on New York when we win the World Series. That was kind of my picture. None of that. None of that. The applause quickly died off. We were ushered to our seats. That was it. It's not going to be like that when we step into heaven. It's going to be far greater than anything we've ever imagined. It's going to be far greater. And Paul, as he speaks about this, he says, you know what? Focusing on the we need to be focusing on the things that are unseen. Paul says in verse 18, but to the things that are unseen. Paul's focus was not on the visible. Has Paul thought about his life coming to an end? Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith not by sight. Paul's practice was to be heavenly minded. I've heard people say that it's not good for us to be too heavenly minded because if we're too heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. But I think if we're too earthly minded, we're no heavenly good. And it's more important to be heavenly minded because when we're heavenly minded, we will be We need to be heavenly minded. And that's what Paul shared with the people of Colossae in Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of earth. Why would we not be focused on the things of this earth? Paul says in 18, for the things that are seen are trans transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. There was no comparison for Paul. Do I pursue their temporary? It's going to be. Is that what my pursuit needs to be? Paul said, no, these things are temporary. My mindset, my pursuit is on the eternal. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's where our mindset needs to be. These things, but the things of God are eternal. Those things abide forever. Paul's relationship with Christ. If I 
vision. And that vertical vision is view of his life being terminal. It is view of his But I want to Our body, but our inner self doesn't fade away. Our inner self doesn't fade away. What are we focusing on? What are we focusing on? Are we focusing on the exterior things? Are we focusing on the inner things? Are we desiring to grow in our knowledge, in our wisdom of Christ? Are we desiring to grow spiritually? Are we desiring to mature in our relationship with Christ so that we're walking closer to Christ? Is that our desire? I know that as I grow in my relationship with Christ, I'm a long ways from being Christ-like. You can ask my wife. I'm a long ways. But I know as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm still given the opportunity to grow. Okay? When I leave body, when I step into glory, there's going to be a gap between where I am and where Christ is. I know there's going to be a gap because I have this sin nature. My desire is to make this gap as small as I can. I want to get there and have a Grand Canyon gap between where I am and where I should be. I know there's going to be a gap, but I'm, but I'm shooting for like a Bean Creek gap. That's, that's what I want, okay? Maybe a Mississippi River gap, not the Grand Canyon gap. That should be our desire. Letting our inner self grow, inner self mature. We're going to go on vacation and we're saving up for vacation. We'll, you know, we'll cut out on a few things so that we, so we can enjoy our vacation. You know, maybe only buy a Reese's peanut butter cup every other day. Up and be ready for vacation. That's why we take a trip this time, but spend forward to but do we ever look forward to the goal of eternity? Do we ever just sit back and say, that's my goal, that's where I want to be. I'm going to move forward and look forward to that. All of this other stuff is not important. That is what is important. 
Do we ever have that mindset? Are we looking forward to that eternal weight of glory? Are we focused on the things that are unseen and the things that are seen? Where is our focus? Where is our focus?